Located in Staffordshire County, England, lies an ancient patch of wilderness called Canic Chase. And by day, the chase serves as a beautiful backdrop for bird watchers, day hikers, cyclists, and picnickers. But by night, it is said that Canic Chase becomes a playground for the paranormal. Known as Britain's most active paranormal hotspot, it's said that dozens of ghosts call this mystical forest home. And stranger still, missing time along with sightings of aliens, UFOs, werewolves, and even Bigfoot have led some people to believe that Canic Chase is a portal to another world entirely. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PCC podcast. My name is Riley, and before we get into high strangeness in Canic Chase, I wanted to quickly address why I don't have an episode on Dolores Cannon's Between Death and Life today. If you listened to my last episode, then you know that I mentioned that I would be covering Dolores Cannon's book Between Death and Life in this week's episode. However, after reading the book, I ultimately decided against finishing that episode for a couple of different reasons. I was really excited to finally read some of her books because some of the things I had heard about her, some of the things she had to say about the afterlife and reincarnation and her soul's purpose kind of resonated with me and I thought they were rather interesting theories. I like the idea of continuing to learn and grow on the other side, and to some degree I even like the idea of reincarnation. I've always been fascinated by after-death studies, so I thought her work would be right up my alley. However, long story short, for one, she's a hypnotic regressionist, and we already know how I feel about that. And there were quite a few things that it just felt a little iffy to do a whole entire episode on. For example, you know, if you have a shitty life, it's ultimately your fault because you were a shitty person in a past life. And that doesn't really seem fair because, of course, we don't come here remembering our past lives. Or if someone's life is cut short during the prime of their life, it's because they probably killed someone in their past life, and this is all just a part of their karma. So, I mean, maybe some of you feel the same way. I just... I couldn't do a whole episode on that. Um, so anyway, but as far as the afterlife goes, should there be one? And I think there is. I just say do the best you can in this life. Don't be a dick. And as long as you can do that, I think you'll be all right. And if not, then we're all in some kind of cruel matrix we probably can't get out of anyway. So better to just make the most of what we get down here. At any rate, I'm kind of glad it didn't work out with the Loris Cannon because I've been dying to talk about Canic Chase. And honestly, I hadn't planned on doing a whole episode on the chase, but while I was researching for other episodes, it just kept coming up over and over again, so I became increasingly intrigued by the place, and I knew I had to do a whole episode about it. And not just one whole episode, but we're going to be doing two episodes. Because I had no idea I would find such a diversity of supernatural stories and encounters, this has been one of two topics I've seriously debated doing three parts. The other one was my very first episode series with Skinwalker Ranch. And at some point, I did have to stop myself from researching anymore, for the time being anyway, but we still have plenty of paranormal shenanigans to talk about today. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the black-eyed kid phenomenon that is said to happen in the chase. And we're going to talk about some ghost stories, and then I'll share the legend of the pig man. And in next week's episode, we're going to go over aliens and UFOs and cryptids. So without further ado, let's first dive into some general info and history of the area. 
Just a 45-minute drive from Birmingham, Staffordshire County, England is located roughly in the center of the country. A designated area of outstanding natural beauty since 1958, Canuck Chase spans across a 26-square-mile area connecting the towns of Litchfield, Hedensford, Huntington, Rugeley, Brockton, Milford, and Stafford. Small lakes dot its landscape, and while the reality of its many supernatural inhabitants is up for debate by skeptics, Canuck Chase is also renowned for nurturing a diversity of wildlife that is quite remarkable for such a modestly sized woodland area. And the general area has been inhabited for at least 2,000 years. An ancient Celtic tribe called the Cornovii defended this land against the Romans, and two of their hill forts, often called the earthworks, still stand inside the confines of Canuck Chase today. The largest of these earthworks is called Castle Ring, and is located at the highest point of Canuck Chase. It's reminiscent of other Iron Age earthworks around Great Britain, and for those of us who are perhaps highly imaginative and prone to fancy, one could say it is also reminiscent of the so-called fairy forts found all throughout the British Isles. And as it turns out, Castle Ring is where many of the strange encounters are said to occur. In the north stands Sugborough Hall, the ancestral dwellings of the Earls of Litchfield and home to its fair share of ghostly guests. And among the ancient woods and ruins, we have Pie Green Tower, a telecommunication tower built during the Cold War, and another landmark associated with many ghosts and UFO sightings. Canuck Chase also has a lengthy wartime history. From the late 1800s through both world wars, the area was used as a military training camp and it was also home to a busy military hospital. And we all know, old-timey abandoned hospitals naturally give way to old-timey abandoned spirits. Fun fact, J.R.R. Tolkien received his military training at Canuck Chase, and there's even a trail named after him. Many suggest that the lush green landscape helped inspire his depictions of the Shire, no less. In the 1950s, the military training operations ceased at the Chase, but its military past is still very much appreciated today. For example, the Katyn Memorial honors 22,000 Polish soldiers who were killed by the Russians in the Katyn Massacre during World War II. And also in Canuck Chase is the German Military Cemetery, which serves as the final resting place for nearly 5,000 German, Austrian, and Ukrainian military personnel. And in case you're wondering, yes, that means nearly 5,000 corpses were disturbed and relocated to Great Britain relocated to a place known to be drowning in paranormal phenomena. What could possibly go wrong? But a string of tragic murders and disappearances interrupted the tranquil landscape of Canuck Chase in the 1960s. Serial killer Raymond Leslie Morris murdered at least three young girls and dumped their bodies in the chase. However, it is widely believed that he is responsible for the deaths of two other missing girls that were never found. They're known as the Babes in the Ditch murders, or the Canic Chase murders, and legend says that the restless spirits of one or two of those young girls haunt the chase. Which leads us to our first creepy character of Canic Chase, the Black-Eyed Children. In particular, hikers report unsettling encounters with a black-eyed girl. The story first began circulating in the late 1970s when a couple came upon a young girl wandering around barefoot in the middle of the woods. The girl appeared to be around six or seven years old, and the woman, Jane, admits that for some reason, she was immediately repelled by the child. The way the little girl walked seemed unnatural. 
The nightgown she wore was not enough to protect her from the elements, but she wasn't shivering. Her skin was perhaps too pale, and instinctively, Jane knew something was not right about the girl. However, her boyfriend, Jonathan, suggested that they needed to help her. Creepy or not, something was obviously wrong, and she likely needed their help. Jane and Jonathan approached the little girl, and as they did, they noticed that her eyes were nothing but two soulless orbs of blackness. As soon as they locked eyes with her, the two said a kind of primordial fear immediately washed over them. Without saying a word, Jane and Jonathan quickly started walking away from the little girl, who was now just staring at them while they frantically walked up the trail ahead. No matter how far they walked, however, the girl always appeared to be the same distance away from them, watching them as an insidious grin grew wider and wider across her face. Just when they thought they had finally lost her, just when they thought that no black-eyed girl was following them, they saw her peeking out from behind the trees in front of them. One second she'd appear just to the left of them, and then just a second later she'd appear on the right. Surely no human girl could move that quickly. Even more unnerving was a childlike giggle that now seemed to be coming from all around them. Eventually, Jane and Jonathan made it to their car safely, but they felt that the little girl with coal black eyes was following them the whole way. Over the decades, the story of the black-eyed girl from Canic Chase has grown and evolved, as these kinds of local legends do. Others say that she covers her eyes with her hands, and that if you approach her to ask her what's wrong or if she's okay, she will reveal to you the cavernous black pits where her eyes should be. Some say they've never seen the girl, but while walking along the trail, they've heard her, heard her giggling and whispering in their ear. And like so many black-eyed kid stories, people claim to suffer from severe headaches, nausea, and nosebleeds after the encounter. A cyclist who was unfamiliar with the area said he stumbled across a little girl on a trail and had spun around to make sure she was okay. He said she was just standing by the road with her eyes closed until he touched her shoulder and asked where her parents were. She then opened her eyes to reveal two inky black eyeballs that were devoid of iris, pupil, or sclera. He sped off on his bike, and by the time he got to the parking lot, he realized his nose was bleeding profusely. By the time he reached a relative's house, his arm was severely sore and he was running a fever. Headache, chills, it was like the worst flu he ever had and had come out of nowhere. And remember in that story of the black-eyed kids from last week, the one that took place in Vermont. That couple claimed they felt sick after letting the two creepazoids into their house and that the husband also had a bloody nose. But of course, this could also just be a part of the growing lore and creepypasta storytelling surrounding the black-eyed children. Now, this next one actually appeared in more recent news and is perhaps the most popular story coming out of Canic Chase today. So despite the rigid pandemic restrictions, a young couple decided to sneak out together and camp illegally out at the chase. The year was 2021, and they weren't going to let a pandemic keep them apart. And what's more romantic than spending the night together in a haunted forest? Thomas and Ellie, both 17 years old, decided to camp in Birch's Valley, right in the middle of Canic Chase. And they spent the night being all snuggled up together with a small heater and blankets, looking up at the stars and enjoying their sneaky alone time together until they eventually crawled into their tent and fell asleep. However, they were awoken around midnight at the sound of strange noises coming from the nearby brush. 
only slightly alarmed at first. They figured it was just a small animal of some kind and nothing to worry about. But then the sound got closer and closer to their campsite. Whatever it was, it was now slowly circling the two lovers as they held each other in their tent. And even more unsettling, the sound they were hearing was now much more distinct. It was clear to them that they were hearing someone's footsteps. Sitting up in terror, now petrified, they listened as whatever was outside started running frantically around their tent. Whatever it was, it seemed to possess preternatural speed. But in a little girl's tone of voice, it began giggling and panting heavily in excitement. Thomas whispered to Ellie, Maybe it's just a deer. Maybe deer just, you know, make these noises when they think no one else is around. They use their secret human little girl voice. But then, out of nowhere, the footsteps and the giggling stopped. After the two had calmed down a bit, Thomas unzipped the tent and, against Ellie's wishes, peered into the woods with his flashlight. Ellie gathered her courage and sat staring into the dark wood alongside Thomas. And behind a tree, they saw a pale little girl staring back at them with jet black eyes. Holding the flashlight in his now trembling hands, Thomas followed the girl with his flashlight as she popped up behind this tree and that tree, her otherworldly giggling again echoing throughout the forest. Ellie said, quote, I was absolutely terrified. I had heard about the stories of the black-eyed child, but it wasn't until the thing stood right in front of me that I could quite believe it. It was like it could teleport from one place to another when it was moving around and hiding behind trees. Thomas also added that the girl just stared at them, eyes black and head slightly tilted forward. You know, kind of like what you would see in a scary movie, perhaps. And yeah, certain parts of the story do seem like something a couple of teens could either make up or convince themselves of when they're alone and a little scared in the woods. But it's still a good story. Oh, I almost forgot to mention that when they were packing up in the morning, they noticed strange stick formations hanging from trees that looked like dream catchers. You know, kind of kind of like the Blair Witch Project. Now, I do have a couple more quick stories that I personally find more believable. Although, if you do a quick Google search, apparently these two teens got a picture of the black-eyed girl. But like any other paranormal photo, it don't look like much. But who am I to say that Thomas and Ellie are making this up? I certainly wasn't there. And to be honest, weirder stuff has happened in Gamak Chase. So let's continue on. Back in 2014, a woman and her teenage daughter were going for a stroll through Gamak Chase when they heard what sounded like a little girl screaming somewhere in the woods. The mother stated, quote, We instantly started running towards the noise. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. That's when I turned round and saw a girl stood behind me, no more than 10 years old, with her hands over her eyes. It was as if she was waiting for a birthday cake. I asked if she was okay and if she had been the one who was screaming. She put her arms down by her side and opened her eyes. That's when I saw they were completely black. No iris, no white, nothing. I jumped back and grabbed my daughter. When I looked again, the child was gone. It was so strange. A part of me wants to say that if you're ever in the middle of the woods and you hear a little girl screaming in the distance, best to just get the hell out of there and not go looking for her. But knowing my luck, it'd be the one time there actually would be a girl in danger. So I don't know. Hopefully none of us ever have to encounter that scenario in the first place. And here's another quick little story from a man named Arthur. 
He says that he saw a little girl appear about 300 feet in front of him for about 30 seconds, but he could see that she clearly had black eyes. You know, the kind entirely devoid of any sign of a human soul and whatnot. And this is how most of the alleged BEK encounters go in Canic Chase, because there have been some people who have claimed they saw a black-eyed boy as well, but it's usually that they saw them peek out from behind a tree and then nothing else, or they heard whispers and giggling but could find no source. They feel like they're being watched, they see her for a moment, and then she just disappears right before their very eyes. And in a lot of cases, that's usually how true paranormal experiences go, honestly. They usually don't last very long, and compared to something perhaps more embellished, they're kind of unremarkable. And if I get enough comments or messages, I'm thinking about doing a video where I talk about my paranormal experiences. And I mean, there's nothing too crazy. I mean, there's a couple crazy ones. But most of them, I mean, would not take me very long to tell, maybe five minutes, because they're just kind of quick and simple. But anyway, if you want if you want to hear those stories, let me know. But I think we've talked about the black-eyed children enough for a while, so let's get into some of the many ghost stories from Canic Chase. And I'm actually going to start this off with a clip from a man who shares his own personal experience. And it's a freaky one, so here we go. It was in Canuck Chase where it happened. Uh, a group of friends, there was, there was seven of us that night. And uh, a couple of my friends had passed their driving test, so we decided just to go out and take a little adventure. Um, Canuck Chase seemed to be a great place. It was spooky, there's there lots of stuff going on. Um, so we got there, we found a little gravel car park. And I thought, yeah, what, what better place to park but here? Um, the thing I always point out to people about the story is that None of us smoked, none of us drunk, we didn't do drugs, nothing like that. We were all stone cold sober. So we're just there sitting in the pitch black of Cannock Chase, um, just chatting, just general chit chat. Some of us are sitting on the bonnets of the car, some of us are sitting in the car, one or two of us sitting on the roof and just general messing about. Uh, not long had gone by before what we thought was a shooting star had gone over the top of us. Uh, except it was a little bit too slow to be a shooting star and didn't resemble a plane light either uh, and it, it, it looked as though it had ditched in the trees a little bit away from us uh, but we thought nothing of it uh, I'm not sure what amount of time passed before we noticed that in front of us where it had actually gone down there looked like there was a light coming through the trees uh, so this worried us a little bit so we decided that as he got to the line of the trees, we'd turn both headlights of the cars on and we'd get a, a better idea of what it was. If it was an animal, we're just going to scare it away. Um, so as it got close enough for us to look at, we flicked on the headlights and the main beams of the cars. And what, what none of us can explain to this day is there were 30 or so people just stood in the trees, um, all different ages. Uh, there were children, there were teenagers, uh, adults, uh, and they were all dressed in different attire that didn't fit in with where they were. So we were absolutely petrified by this sight. And the thing that made us absolutely jump out of our skin was this, this one gentleman. He wasn't... There was nothing sinister about him. Uh, there was nothing monstrous about him. But he sort of stepped forward from the crowd and kind of just said, in a friendly manner, 
why don't you come over here? At that point, that was it for us. We were just in the car. And uh, if you've ever seen a group of kids trying to get into two cars, both with three doors, then, uh, you know, it, it's, it's such an image in my mind. But uh, we got out of there just as quick as we possibly could. About 30 people of all different ages just staring back at them. Wow, I mean, this one is kind of believable to me. If you watch the video, the guy does not appear to be lying at all, and it has a certain amount of uniqueness or randomness that is rather compelling. And it makes you wonder too, what would have happened if they would have joined them? Who were these people? Where did they come from? What was their purpose that night? It also reminds me of the times when people living and working in paranormal hotspots, such as Skinwalker Ranch, for example, say that they feel there are people around them when there aren't. Not just that they feel like they're being watched, but that they feel as though people are walking by them or walking through them, that there are somehow invisible people they can feel all around them that they just can't see. And if there is some kind of weird energy vortex where the veil between dimensions or timelines or whatever is shifting or glitching, if you will, maybe they saw people from another world. Maybe they saw a bunch of ghosts who were trying to lure them to their demise. Who knows? And I'm not sure which one of those would even be creepier. But one of the most well-known ghosts is that of the Pie Green Hitchhiker. It's believed that the late caretaker of the Pie Green Tower still walks the roads looking to catch a ride. However, should one pull over to give him a ride, he will look at you, give you a sly smile, and then disappear inexplicably. Others have said they've passed him walking along the road, only to see him reappear further down some highway with no explanation as to how he got there so fast. At the northern edge of Canic Chase is Hensford Hills. Some say they've seen the ghost of a headless woman wandering around the woods, and many believe it to be the ghost of Elizabeth Gaskin, who was murdered by her husband in 1919. Also, I'd just like to add... I've, I've never seen like an apparition of a human person and I feel like if I ever were, it, it wouldn't creep me out that much, but a headless ghost, that is just like beyond creepy for me. At the opposite end of Canic Chase in Milford, Tixel Railway Bridge is said to be home to a female ghost dressed in 1920s attire. Witnesses claim they see her slowly float over the, over the tracks before disappearing right before their very eyes. We also potentially have a woman in white here at the chase. For in Sugarborough, many claim to see the ghost of a woman in a white flowing gown running through the woods at dusk. Some legends say that she's run out into the road, causing motorists to panic and veer off into a ditch or slam on the brakes, only to find that there was no woman in white in the middle of the road after all. None of the living kind, anyway. I actually started researching some ghost stories from my own hometown as a part of a little history project I'm working on and learned that there are a couple women in white stories in my one little county alone. The woman in white legend truly does seem to be everywhere. And to the southwest over at Wolseley Arms, a phantom ambulance has been reported on several occasions as well as the ghost of a man in 17th century Quaker costume. And visitors have claimed to run into the ghosts of World War II soldiers as well, because apparently ghosts from all time periods dwell in the chase, including the ghost of a Roman soldier, always seen walking in a clearing through Birch's Valley, or moving stealthily behind the trees. And man, wouldn't that be the coolest? So many times we hear about ghosts in Victorian clothing or some kind of vintage attire, but rarely ever do we hear about seeing an ancient ghost or a medieval ghost. 
but one woman claims she saw a very ancient scene play out right in front of her one calm day while visiting the chase. And if you've listened to my episode on time slips and other dimensions, this story might fit right in there too, again taking place in the British Isles where so many time anomalies seem to occur. The story goes that it was a bright sunny day and she decided she'd take a book and blanket to the chase and have herself a little me day. On the edge of a clearing, she laid her blanket down on a sunny patch of grass and began to read. Not too long after she had done so, though, she said she felt a wave of eeriness wash over her. Something was amiss. Everything became unnaturally still. The birds had stopped chirping. The cool breeze seemed to turn off as if on a switch. And from the woods emerged a small group of beastly-looking men covered in primitive-looking hairy garments. They had long, disheveled hair, and she could just barely hear them yelling at each other in a language that sounded completely alien to her. They were wielding heavy clubs, and she was frozen in fear as the band of men started yelling as they ran towards her, clubs held up high in the air, ready for attack. But the group just ran past her. It was as if they didn't even notice her at all, like they were looking right through her. And as if that wasn't weird enough. The woman claimed that when she looked towards the direction the men were running, she saw what can really only be described as a giant dinosaur, Pokemon, dragon type of creature. It was some kind of flying monster with a long neck and reptilian-like skin. And then again, as if someone had flicked a switch back on or off, Canic Chase was just as it had been. It was again a sunny day with a cool breeze, and she was the only one in the area. No cavemen like hunters or dragons or dinosaurs or whatever that thing was. Always when we talk about these paranormal hotspots, in this podcast so far, it's been Skinwalker Ranch, Mount Shasta, the Bermuda Triangle, and now Canic Chase. Always there are these bizarre anomalies that some may call time anomalies or time slips. Others argue, well, perhaps it's a peek into another reality or another dimension altogether. And I'm not sure if I believe the story 100% or anything, but I will say that these kinds of stories are my favorite. On Instagram this past week, I had asked my followers what their favorite paranormal topics were. And just so you guys know, this is mine. Time time anomalies, time slips, dimension slips, these paranormal hotspots that seem to be home to every kind of paranormal topic there is. That's my jam, personally. And I think what's implied in this story here is that This woman was maybe looking into another world and not necessarily another time, as crazy as that sounds. Because as far as we know, humans and dinosaurs never coexisted together. And as far as we know, um, dragons aren't real, although that would be really cool. And I wish they were at some point even. But so I think what's implied here is that she's perhaps she saw into another another world entirely. But anyway, moving on, sinister cults allegedly meet at the chase as well to conduct satanic or pagan rituals, harnessing whatever dark or powerful energy is emanating from that area. Some have reported seeing dark robed figures floating deep in the woods, their torches flickering between the trees. Could they be druids? And while stories of this kind are inevitably conjured up in mysterious places, a large number of old antique dolls were found nailed and tied to trees near an abandoned hospital, and beneath their odd formation was found a Ouija board and burnt black candles, which of course could just be a bunch of teenagers fooling around, that's usually the case. 
But a character of the chase that certainly conjures up satanic images is that of the pig man. No, not the man-bear pig. That's another cryptid for another time. But the pig man of Canic Chase. The story goes that after World War II, scientists, possibly of the Nazi variety, but others say it was the British and Americans, began kidnapping hikers in the chase in order to conduct disturbing and deranged experiments on them. And this team of mad scientists kidnapped a woman, hypnotized her, then impregnate her, impregnated her with artificial human pig DNA. According to the story, the woman had a prolonged pregnancy of about a year, and the baby she gave birth to had the face and snout of a pig, but the body of a baby boy. Fearing their own creation, it is said that the scientists abandoned the poor creature in the woods of Canic Chase. Other versions of the legend state that the pigman escaped the facility in order to avoid further experimentation, or perhaps he retreated into the woods of Canic Chase to avoid ridicule from human society. And this is one of the things that scares me the most. The idea that insane people, maybe even insane government scientists, could kidnap people and perform weird experiments on them. Anyone see Tusk with Justin Long? Well, if you haven't, do not watch it. And I'm not just saying that to get you to watch it. Please don't watch it. I don't want you to be scarred for like life like I am. But that's the kind of deranged experiments I'm talking about. And paranormal business aside, the most terrifying thing is I guarantee... There are people out there doing crazy experiments on human victims. I think anyone would have trouble believing an actual pig man exists in the woods of Canic Chase, or anywhere else for that matter, but I think people have less of a harder time believing someone could get kidnapped even by the government for the purpose of medical or psychological experimentation. However, a man wrote into Canic Chase paranormal researcher Lee Brickley with an interesting tale. He says, quote, I've seen something rather odd on Canic Chase that I think may be of some interest to you. In October 1993, whilst walking around Castle Ring, myself and the wife heard some strange noises coming from the surrounding trees. Thinking it was likely to be a local couple enjoying an illicit liaison, we quickly moved away from the sound and headed back in the direction of our car. Upon reaching the steps down to the car park, I happened to turn around and lay my eyes on the strangest creature I've ever seen. This thing was seven feet tall. From the neck down, it looked like a man, even wearing clothes, but its head was far too big for a human, and it had an elongated face with a snout-like nose. When I pointed it out to my wife, she became terrified, so we started walking more quickly towards our car and got inside. That's when we started to hear this really high-pitched squealing noise that sounded like a pig being killed. That really spooked us. And that's certainly disturbing, if true. The man in our next story says he had plans to go camping with a bunch of friends, and on the first night, everything went as planned for the most part. They did have some cops tell them to put their fire out at some point, but all in all, it was fixing to be a nice weekend in the wilderness. On the second day, they decided to move their camp deeper into the forest to avoid the cops. So this man, let's call him Tim, volunteered to set up all their tents and get their campsite looking really badass before they all returned. The rest of them had work that day or were out running errands, and Tim had nothing better to do and actually had a lot of fun doing it on his own. However, just before nightfall, they told Tim that they in fact would not be coming back that night, that he should just go home and they'll help him pack up the next day. But Tim didn't want to leave all their stuff behind to get stolen, and he sure as hell wasn't packing it all up by himself. So he decides, you know, screw it, I'll just camp here by myself. 
And so he lights up a modest fire, cracks open a can of beer, and enjoys the peace and tranquility of being alone in the woods at night. But eventually, nature called, and Tim had to relieve himself. He had to take a leak. And he thought to himself, Okay, Tim, you're here alone now. You gotta watch out for yourself. He looked around and noted that the forest became eerily quiet. Usually the sign a predator is around. There was no mosquitoes buzzing, no frogs, no branches snapping, no wind blowing in the trees, just dead silence. But he begins to relieve himself, and in the distance he sees this bright white light. He thinks it might be his friends after all. Maybe they had changed their minds, but as he's following this light, it's getting dimmer and dimmer, perhaps farther and farther away. And it's then that he hears a strange noise break through that notable silence. He heard what sounded like something large trudging through the muddy forest on all floor, on all fours. And the chase doesn't have any major large predators, so he figures it's probably just a deer. But as he draws closer to the noise, he sees before him a white figure on all fours sniffing at the ground. At first, he thought it was a large dog, but then he realized that the sniffing sound was actually like a snorting sound, kind of like that of a pig. Thinking it could be a wild boar, he becomes quite nervous and grabs his machete and starts slowly backing away. And while backing away, he heard a branch snap beneath his feet. The creature snapped its face towards Tim, and now Tim could see that this, this was no wild boar. While it had the face of a pig, it quickly sprang up on its two long hind legs. The creature was easily seven feet tall, and it started barreling towards Tim, squealing like a pig as it did so. Of course, Tim ran as fast as he could towards the parking lot, which was still a good ways away from the campsite. And the whole time he's running, he says it's like he can feel the hot, rancid breath of that grotesque creature on his neck. But once he got to the campsite, he was in for a shock. A good shock this time. His friends were indeed at the campsite. They had decided to come back after all. Chuckling, they all commented that it looked like he had seen a ghost, that he was white as a sheet. Bending over to catch his breath... He looked behind him and saw that there was no pigman creature. However, to this day, he swears that what he saw was real. Maybe it was supernatural. Maybe it was flesh and blood creature. He's not sure, but he knows what he saw. Tim was surprised to go online and find that others had seen the pigman of Canic Chase before. He definitely wasn't alone. And had he checked into it before he went camping, he would have come across this old poem. When night falls, enter the woods at your peril, for inside lurks something worse than the devil. Avoid at all costs the gathering place, where at midnight the pigman roams at Canic Chase. And that concludes part one of High Strangeness in Canic Chase. If you liked the episode, stay tuned for part two next week, and please consider hitting that like, follow, or subscribe button. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Paranormal Community College, and until next time, Take care, everyone, and may you have out-of-this-world dreams. <laughs>